0: some of these very like finite just you know one to one kind of uh, uh aspects of remote work versus office work i think there's a lot of benefits there but then like kind of zooming out a bit more macro i mean there's you take that same commute and multiply it by hundreds of millions of people every single day um and think about the environmental effects of if people weren't commuting to work um think about the the democratization of opportunity all of a sudden people all around the world and and impoverished countries and and countries that otherwise are not getting access to good job opportunities just because they happen to be born on some other side of some imaginary line, uh, now can get work and and work for reputable companies and get training and education and, and, you know, have a career. Um, so I, I think these things are just some of the high level positive aspects, you know, work, work work-life balance, better opportunities for people around the world, environmental impacts. Um, and, and I, I could understand if someone looked at it and said, "Well, there's bigger, you know, there's bigger fish to fry out there," and I would totally agree. Uh, but, but I do think remote work provides some opportunities to make some real headway in these areas. How you did? How you did?
1: That was the voice of Chase Warrington. Now, Chase. Is an incredible gentleman who has been an expat, an American expat, who lives in Spain with his wife. And it's so fun to meet people who are living out their ethos in different parts of the world. In the podcast, you're going to hear how he decided to create a work that fit his lifestyle or a lifestyle that fits his work or work and lifestyle fusion, <laughs> whichever one you choose to go with. But it, it, it's, it's fascinating hearing him light up as he talks about what you know he does for work and how he's really embracing what the future of work is i hope that as you're listening to this you are thinking to yourself hey i can actually fuse my passion with my work we dive into the future of work as i said earlier but also what it's like to be remote especially now where we're living in a life without borders Make sure to check the show notes so you can catch his podcast and follow him and his adventures. And until next time, enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And I'm talking today with Chase Warrington. Now, Chase is a globally minded professional with 12 years of remote work experience and leading distributed teams from locations across the United States, Europe, Asia and South America. The head of remote doist, he helps them lead remote first generation. <laughs> Let me say it again. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you do it live.
0: Yeah. I love it.
1: Yeah. Welcome everyone to another episode of as Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Chase Warren. Now, Chase is a globally minded professional with twelve years of remote work experience, leading distributed teams from locations across the United States, Europe, Asia, and South America head of remote at Doist, the creators of Todoist and Twist, and a leading remote-first organization with 100-plus employees spread across 30-plus countries spanning all time zones. We're going to be diving into so many topics today. I got to say, my favorite thing about Chase is I was reading his bio on his website, and I found that that his dog has a passport. So welcome to the show,
0: Chase. <laughs> Man, just thank you for having me. And you know what? That's, the, that's a normal thing in my life. My dog is always way cooler and way more popular than I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I've never had a pet before. So I, I hear that, though. I hear that often. Yeah, when people yeah. walk in, you know, they stop to, to say hi to the dog, and then they forget the person's there. And then I've I've legit had
0: people walk up to me here on the streets in in Spain, you know, and just say, like, I I don't remember you, but I I love Coda. You know, (laughs) I'm like, man, you're you're blatant about it. All right.
1: (laughs) That's brilliant. No. Okay. Your story is fascinating because you're also a third culture kid. You're a TCK. And for those listening for the first time, generally, third culture kids spend the formative periods of their lives outside of their parents' cultures. You know, they're, they're typically global mobile. You know, I was a diplomatic kid. Some might be missionary kids. Some might be. Army kids, but um, you find yourself in different parts of the world all the time. Your culture, your parents' culture, and the mix of all the cultures—those are the three cultures. But what was your background like growing up?
0: Yeah, I, I love. Uh, first of all, like, thanks for having me, and I love listening to the show, and I love hearing about your background um, as growing up as a third culture kid and kind of applying it to like my adulthood now because I've been spending most of my, a lot of my life, at least uh, after eighteen years old. Traveling around, living in different cultures, I kind of became passionate about wanting to experience something different. And it's kind of become sort of the cornerstone of of my life in this part of my life. So I'm sort of experiencing it from a different angle. Um as an an adult, which is really fun. Yeah. As an adult, which has been cool. Like because you're kind of reforming. I mean, we're evolving constantly, right? So I'm like reforming parts of my life and my interests and what matters to me and what doesn't, and uh, and learning about that through the lens of a of a you know a different culture and it's, uh, it's been super interesting. So right now it's, it's life in Spain, but it's been a half a dozen other countries, um, you know, at different times over the last, uh, what, 15 years or so.
1: You know, I, I'm a writer. I can always tell a creative when a person would say half a dozen instead of six. You know, or, or a decade instead of a 10. It's just that descriptive language. <laughs> I, I
0: you love, know how it is. Like when you're when you're hosting, like when you have a podcast, right? You're like, how do I say the same thing in a different way every now and then? So I yeah. don't sound repetitive. So maybe maybe that comes intuitively.
1: <laughs> no, it's so funny. This is this is a bit of a tangent, but I I had my brother come over here. You know, he comes over once in a while. I have two younger brothers, I'm so my youngest, and he will hear me recording or listening or introducing myself in, in meetings. And then there'll be a point where I say, you know, uh, I grew up in five countries and four continents. And he got to the point where he would stand in front of me and start mouthing it. I grew up in five countries and four continents. And, then, and he was making fun of me. I was like, what? It's a different person. It's not like the same. <laughs> they don't know the story. But I had gotten so used to that.
0: It became the the, the moniker. But yeah, you definitely get used to descriptive language I love it. <laughs> my, my wife also tells me that sometimes she's like you just said that in podcaster voice <laughs> yeah, like, she's like i don't know whatever you said you just you sounded like you're in your podcast mode i'm like do i sound different i'm trying to be real here man yeah <laughs> no
1: I'm, I'm i'm right there with you i'm right there with you uh, but if we if we wanted to to talk about how your professional life and personal life intersect is you are currently the head of remote at doist first of all what is doist and I know we've had the founder here a while ago, but we've had a lot of news, new listeners since then. But what is Doist, and how does being head of remote really uh, help you feel fulfilled?
0: Yeah. Um, so so Doist is a, we're a fully remote company. We're a remote first organization is the, the way we phrase it. Um, and by that, I mean, we have no emphasis on where our employees are located. So we have 100 people in 35 different countries uh, spanning all time zones, and we legitimately do not hire at all based on location. Uh, we have no offices. We don't care what hours you work. We don't expect people to be online at the same time. Um, it is a total asynchronous remote first environment. Um, so that's a that's kind of like who we are. Uh, what we do is we produce a couple different apps. Uh, Todoist is what we're most well known for, which is like a productivity app. We serve like 25 million customers with our little 100-person team, which is pretty cool, I think. And uh, we, we localize that into like 17 different languages. So it's a very globally-minded company, um, which is what really attracted me to the company. Like, cool, I can work location independent. We're going to work on a very international team, and we're going to serve the world. Uh, that sounds great. We also developed a product called Twist, which is a team communication app for distributed teams just like us. We actually like just built it for ourselves because we didn't like... Other products on the market and now we sell it to other teams. That's that's worked out well for us. Um, but that's like that's a little bit of the background on doist. But what really kind of brought me to doist was the idea that hey, I could work with all these people from all around the world. We can serve people productivity tools. That sounds cool. But what it really lights me up is the future of work, the what Remote work could be if it's done at scale. So, when I joined them six years ago, I was really seeking location independence and I had already made other sacrifices in my career just to have remote work. And that meant like being a couple hours from an office, being able to work from home, and occasionally having to travel to an office. I just didn't want to sit in a cubicle, but (laughs) I couldn't travel wherever I wanted. I couldn't live wherever I wanted. I was still restricted. And even to get that, I had to make a lot of sacrifices professionally, income wise, all that. There were sacrifices along the way. And then when I made the transition to Doist, again, making sacrifices to have location independence financially and, and professionally. And I just never understood, like, why does that have to be the case? You know, we can do our work from anywhere. All this work could be done from anywhere. I don't know why I keep having to take these steps back. So what really hooked me was the thought that hey as head of remote i can help push forward the remote movement i can help this become something that's done at scale across the world where it becomes the norm and not the exception and that's what lights me up
1: now i i I love how you're explaining that because i i had a, a mirror back in like it was April 2016. I was a different version of myself back then. And I remember him talking about how it started in 2007. I'm hearing you talk, and it, it's there's, a, there's an interesting parallel because for me, sometimes I have people on the podcast and you never know, right? If it, it, they're going to be consistent with the story years down the line. But it's so good to see that that, that core ethos of ensuring people work you know, where they want, how they want has remained, you know, prominent because not a lot of companies have been able to do that consistently. And I, I believe Deuce is one of the leaders in that. So that's always fun to see that consistency. I'm glad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah we try to stick to the ethos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the other thing though, that I, that I want to say, listen to your story. I, I can't help, but think about how many people since the pandemic have started to really take ownership of the type of work environment they want to, to work in. I saw a stat the other day that a lot of, uh, you know, United States, a lot of Americans are, are quitting jobs or there a lot of job vacancies because they're demanding higher salaries or better working conditions. And I, I, I wonder if uh, the, the pandemic or the idea of people having to work from home for a little bit really gave people insight into what the future could look like.
0: What do you think? I tend to think so. And the, and the data supports it, you know, I mean, there's that, what are they calling it? The, do you, do you recall, is it the great migration or the, the great resignation? The great oh, resignation. That, it That's could be it yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, I mean, people are demanding something different, you know, people learned what could be done. Um, And, and I, th- I think I kind of liken like remote work and what it will become right now is kind of like, when you go work for a U.S. company these days, you sort of expect like there's going to be a benefits package. You know, there's going to be 401k and certain perks and things like that. Um, I, I kind of think remote will become this, uh, this, this in a similar way, part of the of what you expect. You know, not a perk, not an add on, but if you want to work remotely, you'll have that option, and and that will be supported in a way where you don't feel like an outsider. Uh, as a remote worker, but you'll be as much a part of the team as somebody who's in an office or or closer to the leadership or whatever it may be. So I think it's going to be expected that it's done at a in a, in a very high level, and that's the reason my position exists is to ensure that we keep doing it at a very high level.
1: No, I certainly, I certainly hope so. What do you do with visas though? Because you said you can work anywhere in the country, and this as isn't an, as a non-citizen. I've been dealing with visas since I can remember. <laughs> so how does that work? Because are you what type of what country is Duist listed as the <laughs> as the headquarters? Uh, you know, what is the work visa situation like?
0: Yeah, so so we've we've lived as a company uh, has been founded in in multiple different countries over the years, but we are now firmly established in the U.S. and um, in, in Silicon Valley in Palo Alto, okay. uh, which which is for a variety of reasons. Uh, it doesn't really need to be in any one place, but it gives you a certain level of notoriety with some of the other, um, of course. with the Googles of the world. So, uh, but we 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 were at one point in the Bahamas, we were founded in uh, the Seychelles, I think. Uh, so we really just needed a, a, a place to, cl- you know, get mail every now and then I think And yeah. I mean, there's nobody there, but mm-hmm. everybody's, everybody's working from where they want to work from in, in their various countries. So some people live like really normal lives. Like they're living in the suburb outside of, Chicago or Minneapolis, and just, you know, living a normal life. And you got other people that are living on Croatian islands and, and, uh, in New Zealand. And, you know, so it it runs the gamut. No, but do they have to get, you know, so for me, I had to get the work visa, um, Mm -hmm. from, from an American company
1: when I was, I remember before, before I I was able to launch my own company. And so did they get work visa to an American company? They still have to get approved or, is it just, Hey, you're in this country, we'll hire you.
0: Yeah. It works out. So, so the way this works is we hire everybody as an independent contractor. So everybody's ah. their own individual employee um, of themselves. And then we, you're just, but you're a full-time employee, <laughs> but there are companies emerging to tackle this. So like, this is one of the cool things, like, like there's employers of record emerging that are taking this on and, and they're going even further than just like hiring and firing they're They're creating, you know, benefits packages and and medical insurance. Like, think about for us it doesn't matter if if we offered medical insurance 90% of our employees would be like why do we need that i my government provides medical insurance i live in denmark you know everything's covered i uh, don't i don't need medical insurance but so there there's all these products and services emerging for distributed teams like this to to solve those problems, so it's it, it's kind of fun to watch. No, as you can tell, I'm really passionate about this because uh, immigration
1: and just understanding the the equity and the inequities that exist there, uh, based on whatever nationality you are, whether it has to do with with uh, you know problems in, in in one's home country or people just finding passion or finding love and coming across restrictions. It's something that I've I've seen happening to family and to people around me. And uh, it always hurts when I see someone get a huge opportunity and all of a sudden because of a quota or something can't get, you know, uh, past that, that barrier. So it's, it's interesting to see that independent contractor out, huh?
0: Yeah. It right. t- it touches close to home to me too, because, you know, I've lived now lived in a handful of countries. I fought that visa battle hard oh and have visa hopped in and out of country, you know, done so much to, yeah. to try to make it work just to be like, Hey, I just want to stay in your country, you know, for a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I do get it.
1: Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about what this can do on a global scale. I know you're incredibly passionate about this and you, you feel like there are a lot of opportunities, especially now with the movement towards distributed teams and, and you feel like there's a positive impact that it can have on a global scale. Why do you feel like that?
0: I, I feel like there's on a, on a very micro level um, in a remote environment, a lot of the preconceived norms that we're used to mm-hmm. uh, kind of go out the window. So like if you've imagined the traditional office, um, you know, there's a there's a commute involved every day. Um, so, you know, so I think the average American spends like 47 minutes a day commuting to and from work. Um, and, you know, for some people that's hours a day. Yeah. Um, so uh, you think about the the fact that when you walk into the office, you just kind of get credit for just being there. It's not a super stimulating environment. I love the meme that's flying around that says like, you know, must be willing to work in a fast paced environment. It shows the picture of the terrible cubicle office is like the environment um, and, and the work-life balance that can come with you know, being able to spend more time with your family and, and have a more flexible schedule that works around the needs of, of the family uh, more so than the needs of the office. And so on, you know, on some of these very like finite, just, you know, one-to-one kind of uh, uh, aspects of remote work versus office work, I think there's a lot of benefits there, but then like kind of zooming out a bit more macro. I mean, there's, you take that same commute and multiply it by hundreds of millions of people every single day. Um, And think about the environmental effects of if people weren't commuting to work, Um, think about the, the democratization of opportunity, all of a sudden people all around the world and in impoverished countries and and countries that otherwise are not getting access to good job opportunities, just because they happen to be born on some other side of some imaginary line uh, now can get work and and work for reputable companies and get training and education and, and, you know, have a career. Um, So I think these things are just some of the high level positive aspects, you know, work, work work-life balance, better opportunities for people around the world, environmental impacts. Um, And, and I, I could understand if someone looked at it and said, well, there's bigger, you know, there's bigger fish to fry out there. And I would totally agree. Uh, But, but I do think remote work provides some opportunities to make some real headway in these areas.
1: Well, I mean, we spend most of our lives in some workplace or, you know, some education institution of some sort. So that I think if you're going to work to greatly rectify a problem that has existed in the workplace, I think I would argue that you're doing a great service to the world. I think we, a lot of us sort of saw that in the last 15 months where we started really seeking some sort of fulfillment (laughs) Uh, and we had to question the norms that we've accepted. And, And I work in the consultant space where I'm helping companies with diversity, inclusion, and equity. And one of the things I would always bring about with inclusion is hiring people from different backgrounds. And a lot of companies that always said no before found themselves having to go remote during the pandemic. And it just made me think, you could always do it. Why? You could always have done it. you, You said that you needed to have this physical presence here. And now when this happens, you've done it. And look what's happened to your company. It seems to be thriving, so.
0: I think it's yeah, not. and that, all of a sudden you got all these different backgrounds coming in. You know, people throwing ideas from different angles and different perspectives of life. Like, I mean, how could that be a bad thing? You know, get it's when it gets very homogenous, it gets uh, it gets stale. I think so. Um, I yeah, yeah, I'm a big big proponent for this aspect. Okay, okay. Well, so
1: on the personal side, now obviously you, I, I believe you, you live with your wife in Spain right now, right? Correct. Yeah, and and so. What does that conversation look like? Did you meet her in Spain, or was it a decision both of you decided to decided upon is that we are going to be traveling? This is our mindset, and and this is how we go. And I'm asking this question because a lot of listeners say, "Well, I want to be this way, but I don't know if I have a partner that agrees with me on this philosophy, or do I have to stop that?" So
0: (laughs) no. Uh, It's funny. I I talk, uh, I talk about some of, normally the conversation goes in in the other direction from the way we, we just, uh, we just approached it. Like I talk about these things that are important to me about remote work now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. but that's, that's 36 year old chase. Uh, <laughs> selfishly, I really wanted to work remotely and have location independence just because I wanted to travel and I wanted to be able to work from wherever and not sit in a cube, but also like go explore, you know, Patagonia when I wanted to go to Patagonia or travel through Europe when I wanted to travel through Europe. Um, and that was, that was what really drove me immediately. Uh, you know, when, when I was a bit younger, so it's evolved over, over time to, to hopefully a more impactful, uh, way to approach this. But my my wife and I, we're, were both aligned. We're both Americans. Uh, we met in college and we just both wanted to eventually have this. Neither of us had location independence immediately out of school, uh, but we set it as a goal, like eventually we're going to get there. And we did the digital nomad thing for a while. We sold our house and left our careers and traveled for a while and had that chapter as well. But now we kind of have you know, the best of both worlds, I think, where we have the professional aspect, we're location independent, and we decided to to live in Spain for what we thought was a year, and now it's been four years.
1: <laughs> Just wanted to stop by here before we get back to the episode. I wanted to let you all know that I do have a collective for people who are interested in developing their cultural competency skills, becoming more anti-racist, and it's a resource of Things that you can do with your family, with your school, with yourself to work through your individual journey to become a better culturally competent leader. It's called UID Collective, and the link is in the show notes, but it's a mix of courses. It's a mix of resources, things you can download. And all you need to do is sign up as a member. It's a monthly membership. I'd love for you to check it out. Use it with your friends. Use it with your family. Use it with yourself. Okay. The link is in the show notes. It's called UID Collective, and it's for those of you that want to improve your cultural competency skills. Back to the episode. Hey, no, I love that. I love that, and, and I'm so glad to hear that there's uh, alignment there because I can I can imagine what it would be like if there wasn't, and uh and, and it's a beautiful thing because it sounds like if I'm following your social media, you two truly live your life to the fullest. You know, there's always a lot of joy that emanates from, from the pictures. And it, it's almost like you're you're you know you're curious and you're exploring what the possibilities could exist and you have a lifestyle of support staff.
0: Yeah, we we have fun. I mean there's Instagram versus reality. That's that could be true. This too, is true, you know, but this is true, <laughs> but but no, we we do. I mean, I feel really lucky, you know. We we I, I do feel there was you know sacrifices made along the way that's st- like two steps back to take three steps forward, you know, over a couple year period. Um, but it, it's, uh, it does feel great now to, to be able to live in Europe and have that, you know, every day stepping out into a new culture and hearing different languages. And when the mundane becomes exciting because you get to live that way, then that's, that's kind of like what I was shooting for. So I feel lucky to have that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things you've been lucky to also do is to work across different types of careers. So I, you know, as the investigator that I am, I saw that you were a US and European correspondent for China Daily. Yeah. And then you had the, yeah like this two year gap and you went to Johnson and Johnson which is one of the biggest companies in the world. So wh- talk to me about these two <laughs> they, they couldn't be more different. What do you, what, what 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 was happening?
0: <laughs> yeah. So okay, so what what happened when I when I was 18, I had never left the country, never never left the US and I decided like I was dying to and, uh, immediately went to Australia and spent time down in Australia and New Zealand, um, and came back and was just like, well, I'm, I'm addicted to that now. So I just have to figure out how to travel as much as I can during college. And, uh, and so that, that resulted in, you know, study abroads and internships abroad and exploring any opportunity I could to, to get abroad because I thought, you know, I had a four or five year timeline and then, Oh, I got to start your career. You got to go to, uh, mm-hmm. go to, you know, get on with life and and grow up, I guess. Yeah. And so anyway, that, that correspondent in um, in Beijing was, I, yeah, I participated in a program where I got to like work with a bunch of Chinese students all year and we, they came here, we went there, we, uh, we collaborated on this big project. And then, um, after our, after that terminated, I got to stick, stay around and work in Beijing for the summer. And, um, and work as a correspondent basically before the leading up to the Olympics there, uh, (laughs) talking about the perspective of a foreigner in living in, in Beijing. It was pretty fun. Um, and then, yeah. And then I went to work with Johnson and Johnson and spent six years there. And then that's when I decided like, okay, now I really need location independence. Remote work's been cool, but I need, I need to be able to go where I want to go. I tried to negotiate like Legit. I, I want to go work in Patagonia for a few months and uh, like travel around South America and I'll work while I'm down there. But I got to be able to go do that. And it was like, no, we can't do that. And I was like, OK, well, I'm going anyway. <laughs> and you did it <laughs> with or without you. Yeah, no, I, I. that's that's amazing. And
1: and I'm bringing that up because when people decide what they want to do with their life, there's a moment where they have to just basically affirm themselves and decide what they're going to do, regardless of what maybe society is telling them to do. You know, I I remember when I was graduating or even when I was getting into college, my dad wanted me to be, be a lawyer. You know, mom wanted me to try medicine, There were a bunch of all these things. And I had to come to a point where I realized that I am more of a storyteller and someone that likes to bridge culture divides, but it wasn't, there wasn't a career path for that. So I had to find a way to, to craft that. And someone else listening And the audience is probably going to have to get to that point themselves, but it usually starts with like what you're saying. You, you embed yourself in maybe traditional environments and you start to pick out what you like and what you don't like. And that, that gives you more information than you chart on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I I think it's, it can be like a, a progression. Like we don't, we're, we want instant gratification now, you know, everybody wants to like have exactly what they want right away. And, And I knew at a relatively young age, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, I was really fascinated by just being in a foreign place. Like literally it can stop right there. Just put me in a foreign place and I'm kind of like lit up. I'm intellectually and, and I get, I'm just excited to taste some different food and hear some different languages. And that's all I need. I didn't know how to parlay that into a career. Um, but I kept kind of putting that at the center of everything I did. And it eventually got me to, to, you know, where I really wanted to be. So it didn't happen overnight, but there was a progression there and I was happy at every stage of the, of the way, you know, some ups and downs, but it was always moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah. 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 No. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Kudos to you for being an inspiration in that. And I think we, we all need those reminders. So I'm glad that, uh, (laughs) I'm glad, I'm glad that you're here. What else do you see in terms of the the future though? Because, you know, there's some pushback to the idea of of remote. Uh, There are some companies who are chomping at the bit to to get back to physical, and there are some who are exploring hybrid and some who are now fully remote, but I I don't know what the stats are. I just hear occasionally anecdotally from friends who, you know, dread the idea of going back to work now, but the companies have just said, well, give me to the end of the year, and then you're coming back. So, how do you see that playing out in in, in the next few years? Will companies yeah. be more hybrid or go back to norm?
0: Hi, hybrid's going to be the the norm. Like like all uh, statistics show, you know, around seventy five percent of companies will be in some form of a hybrid mode. Um, that's that's what they project right now, and. That seems to be true. I was just doing a webinar for uh, the Society for Human Resource Management uh, (SHRM) uh, yesterday, and uh-huh. they had a bunch of human resource managers on there, and that's that was where exactly the numbers that came up. Those are the national averages, the world averages, and and in this smaller pool of a couple hundred people, it was the exact average. Around seventy-five percent of them said, "Yeah, we'll be we'll be hybrid." So um, it it seems ridiculous. There's a lot of people in the world that I work in that, you know, that are very remote first uh, advocates and they would say like, no, remote first is is the way. My view on it is that it should be location agnostic, um, meaning that let's just make the experience of in-office the same as the experience of out-of-office. Um, and that's how a company could actually have the best of both worlds. There are a lot of challenges with hybrid, um, mainly how do you give the same experience to the employee in the office versus the one out of it? How do you avoid those power vacuums and, uh, and make it not a miserable experience for the, for the remote employees? But with an emphasis on, on location agnostic, just saying everyone gets the same experience. And um, with that, that really means applying like re- remote first principles. I think, I think it can work. I think so, too. I think so, too. I, I, I just wanted to get your thought
1: on it because, uh, you know, I usually get asked the same question. And I've I've always thought this even before it became this. I, I just always thought it would make more sense for people to have that location independence, especially with the Internet at the time. And uh, I, I just think it took a, a while for some companies to catch on. But I think now we can see that it, it doesn't actually lose productivity. I think that's always been the biggest pushback. That How do I check? if they're doing the
0: actual work, you know, how do I make sure that there's a level of accountability, but uh, you know what? I always think so funny about that. The answer to that question is so obvious. It's look at the work. (laughs) It's like, it's like, if, if you were writing a book, you know, and I was like, I really want to know if you're writing the book, like, but how do I know if he's writing the book? I know. I'll ask him to write it while I watch him on a zoom call. That's how I'll know he's writing the book. And it's like, no, why don't you just once a week send me what you wrote or tell me what you wrote and give me a deadline. And then then it works for everybody. And you can write it when you feel like writing. Um, yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I There's this overemphasis on surveillance and like uh, knowing what people are doing, which doesn't really equate to, to much value. It doesn't. And the other thing that is also important to understand is that everybody has different productivity hours.
1: But if you force people to be productive during the same time, you you know obviously it'll benefit some people, but you're not even maximizing the, the 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 potential of the other people who might I don't know be night people or morning people or midday people, and then you're just saying do it around this time. But if you just gave them that freedom, yeah, you know, they'll they'll figure it out because they know yeah. that they have to check it out to you.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a cheat code of remote work. <laughs> if you if you really allow it, like you can you can literally I can take all my employees and get their best eight hours of the day rather than getting you know four or five of their best hours out of the day. I mean my my schedule is I wake up super early and I love a really long midday lunch break. So I work from like 7 to 11 and then have like a 3 or 4 hour break and then work three or four more hours in the afternoon. And like, that doesn't match up with a nine to five at all. No, it uh, does But if I had to work a nine to five, I would be, you'd get two good hours out of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's not a really good ROI. I used to be in biz dev. Like, you know, those, those numbers don't match up. <laughs> no, they don't, they don't, they don't. Uh, well, okay. Uh, you, you've matched up with so many people across the world with your podcast. So let's talk about, uh, you know, about abroad. Ah, thanks. Um, yeah, this is a side project I, I launched um, that I've been thinking about for a while, but it was kind of born from the idea that uh, as remote work got... Because of the space that I'm in with remote work and being an expat living in another country and having lived in a handful of different countries, as remote work was on the rise, my inbox was sort of filling up with like, hey, I love, you know, I love the lifestyle you're living. I would love to do it too. Do you have any... Uh, advice on living in X country or, or how one could find location independent work or whatever. So I just, um, I thought about something that I would love to do to other than responding to a bunch of those emails <laughs> all the time and LinkedIn messages and such. I thought, well, it would be fun to learn how to do a podcast. And I've been blown away by the the support from the audience and um, and, uh, and our, a friend of ours at, uh, over-insured nomads, Andrew again and their support for the, the show. And so anyway, um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been great. I talked to expats and thought leaders on remote work, people who are living abroad, uh, full-time digital nomads and kind of dive into like, how do you make this work? You know, how do you get a visa for this country or do you have to pay taxes there? And do you, know how did you find work and what's it like living in Sri Lanka or, or Japan or wherever? So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a way for me to travel, you know, kind of through their their stories as well, which is a lot of fun for me.
1: No, I can I can see why, because, it, you know, I don't think we've had this level of education in the school systems. <laughs> and so it's uh, it's one of my biggest frustrations is it's, you know, sometimes it's told from, you know, maybe a U.S. centric or Eurocentric point of view just as we are learning from all these centric point of views, there are other perspectives that, you know, you could also see from and, and, and look at the world from. So it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to get other lived experiences on a podcast.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so fun too. Like, I mean, it's like in completely stimulating and intellectual and then also just pure, pure fun. Just hearing, I had, I interviewed a guy the other day that's living in the South pole, like living in mm. Antarctica, you know, and like, like what's life in Antarctica. Like I never even thought about this, uh, you know? And so, just, just kind of like traveling to these different parts of the world, and then actually figuring out the mechanics of making it happen—it's, um, uh, it's pure joy for me. <laughs> That's uh, so wild. Yeah, you, you, you know, as the older I
1: get, you realize the world is smaller than you think it is. Yet it's still big. It's one of the greatest paradoxes, right? It's so large. But it's it's also increasingly small. The more you meet different types of people. I mean, you and I had a mutual friend. You know, like we didn't even and we didn't know each other. You know, that's an element of a small world. But then you're talking about the the South Pole, and I'm like, I've never even crossed that part of the world. And I can only imagine that type of experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, the world is getting flatter and smaller. I feel. I mean, it's 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 easy. My brother just came over here and visited for the first time, and like he's not much of a traveler. He's really doesn't have a desire to to leave. Uh, you know the the lifestyle that he has, and he came over and he was like, "Wow, that was really quick." you know, I was was here in 15 hours. Like I had breakfast there. I'm having dinner here. Not really that bad. I should have done this before. I'm like, yeah, that's what I've been telling you.
1: Yeah. It's a good reset too. And I I always say you find yourself more when you travel just because you're in situations that will actually challenge you to either be more of yourself or they will trigger something in you that you didn't realize was part of you. And uh, I'm like, you got to travel so you can see it because you're in a foreign environment.
0: It's like the best form of education. I mean, you you just absorb so much and then you're challenging yourself and you find out, find out who you are. And, and I've seen so many people. I don't know if you've had this experience as well, but like myself included and other people I've known around me, like they really kind of found themselves once they got out of their, their comfort zone at home. And, um, I did, I would. Yeah. 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 Case for you. Oh, 100%. I, I was growing up in all these
1: formative periods of my life and i just had to really start determining what my core values were and i it came to a point where i decided who i was going to be because I, I used to just always float and become this chameleon but i had to find mm-hmm. the balance of the chameleon and who tile is, you know <laughs> you know because i i was losing my myself uh i had a huge identity crisis but you know it
0: helped. Same, it same, helped I, I resonate with that. I, I had the same same experience. I yeah. think, and and being abroad kind of made me uh, counterbalance all those things and figure out, okay, yeah, who who am I really here, and what do I really love doing, and that that was uh, pivotal. One hundred percent. One hundred
1: percent. Well, I, I know we're getting to close here, so I want to give you an opportunity to share what you're excited about, any opportunities you want to extend to the audience, and then we'll close.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, yeah, thanks for having me. Super fun. T- glad to finally meet uh, yeah, and uh, enjoy the show. And I, I would just encourage people to to reach out to me if they're interested in talking about remote work, um, both on an individual level or an organizational level. Um, we want to be uh, as a, as much of an assistant in that role as possible, so um, you know we're not we're not a remote work consulting firm or anything like that. But my job partly exists just to help push the future of work forward. So find me on LinkedIn, find me on um, trying to be a better Twitter citizen. You can find me on on Twitter. <laughs> uh, my podcast is about abroad, um, so you can find me there as well. I'm excited; just launched a, a third season nice. and uh, have some exciting people up uh, lined up to come up this season. So we're we're going to be traveling all over the world through them. And, uh, and in general, what I'm excited about is, is, is where we are with the, uh, with the remote work movement and, and the adoption rates around the world. And and then I'm really excited to see how we can put it to use for, for more good, um, on a, on a more global scale. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited about that too. And then I'll make sure I'll put the, the link in the show notes to your podcast
1: as well as, uh, you know, your company, cause you know, I can imagine there's, there are hiring opportunities as well. And but you know, also just an idea for other people to get educated through your guest and yourself, your podcast. On,
0: on that note, I, sh- I should mention there's we have an awesome blog with a ton of remote work resources. whether you are an aspiring remote worker or you're somebody who's trying to level up your skills or maybe even like an organization trying to figure out how do I make this work. I, I talk to them every single day, and they're like, "I don't know what I'm doing." <laughs> and you're not alone if you're in that boat, so don't be shy about asking. For some help, but we have a whole blog dedicated to this. It's that's uh mm-hmm. and there's a remote work section with tons of content there. Okay. Well, the final question is how do you use your difference to make a difference, Chase? Well, I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna continue on my remote work nerd trend here and, uh, <laughs> and say since I since I care so much about this movement, it's served me so well, and I'm so excited about the uh, what it can hold for the future of of uh humanity i want to i want to continue to push this forward and, and dive deeper into that that nerdism okay that, that nerdism is, is literally going to change the world so i'm, <laughs> I'm glad to be able to,
1: to meet one of the change agents spearheading that movement and uh it's
0: been a real pleasure sir yeah likewise thank you so much man thank you for having me and till next time kings queens and
1: royalty use your difference to make a difference
0: you've just been listening to the ass
1: Told by nomads podcast for more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference head over to www.tayoroxon.com